Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fermented Fiction Author Interview of the Month. Today, we are interviewing S.K. Era, uh, the author of the Crossroads trilogy. Is there a third one coming out, or is it a series? Series. So far, I got five books planned out. Okay, so the Crossroads series, we're going to talk specifically about the first one, Call from the Crossroads, which follows some very interesting characters and a spooky supernatural thriller plot. Um, but welcome to the show, SK. Um, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I guess we'll just jump right in. This is a fantastic book, in my opinion, um, Call from the Crossroads. The first thing that really draws me into it, though, is your your protagonist, Logan, is such a fascinating character. So you write an ex-military who's recently been released from a psych ward, who's a medium, but in a very interesting way, which hopefully you can kind of describe that for us. Um, how do you come to find that character and how do you get in that headspace to write for for Logan walking through the desert? Yeah, so it started off with a very simple idea and that I wanted a protagonist who does the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And it's not past traumatic events or haunting from the past that put him on the path. Instead, those are the obstacles that stand in his way to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And from that simple premise, it just became a question of what skill sets does he need to have in order to fulfill the mission of each book and one of them was okay it would help if he was military that way he can get into a little bit of a scuffle so there was a month or two where I was reading nothing but memoirs and autobiographies of people who had served in the Middle East to really get in the headspace and figure out how these people thought how they talked and make a realistic ex-military soldier and it was mission accomplished when I sent it out to some beta readers and somebody got back to me complaining, going, oh, Logan, he just reminds me of all those military bros I hang out with. It's going, all right. I guess, that, uh, I guess that works. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. And I'm sure Clayton will have some commentary on this, too, because I think a big conversation in writing circles right now is like, can you write for for characters that aren't like your demographic? And I think you display, and I've seen you do this as I know you personally, I've seen you do the right thing and where it's like, yes, you can, but it requires a lot of work. Like you have to do your research. You have to find those headspaces of those characters. I don't know if you would agree, but I know you do do that. Yeah. And especially with speculative fiction is that I'm also not a medium who could hear the voices of the dead and is haunted by a demon. So any book I would write would be terribly boring mm -hmm. if it was based solely on my personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, we want to tell stories that are interesting, not only to our audience, but to us. Right. And so if, like, if you're interested in a topic, like I've been doing a lot of uh, reading on like saturation diving, I find that fascinating where people spend like weeks underwater because it's actually faster than going up and down. It's insane. <laughs> so, uh, but like, I don't know anything about that world. I don't know the terminology. Um, I don't know what it's like to live in a underwater box for weeks at a time, but like you do your research and 
respect what you're learning about, respect what you're writing about. And I think it usually turns out good. Yeah. Research is really the critical part of that as well. And like what you said, not just respect, but an understanding that what you're writing isn't something that's just filling in a space, that this is a person mm. you're trying to create. And so you have to treat both the people that you're researching, whether it's people who are submerging themselves underwater for weeks on end, or people who served in the military going, these are individuals with their own experiences. How can I bring this to light? Mm-hmm. Now, I started with like a heavy questionnaire and didn't even think this is terribly organized, but didn't even think to just ask you, could you like tell the listeners a little bit what exactly is Call from the Crossroads about your elevator pitch, if you will? All right. So Call from the Crossroads is a supernatural thriller that follows the protagonist, Logan, as he has discovered he can hear the voices of the dead and he now has to live with that which is a lot more complicated than he would like it to be, as he's also being haunted by more than just ghosts. It's getting a little bit spooky. Mm. (laughs) All right. Have you always been into the supernatural? Yeah. In second grade, we were doing speeches where we had to take an excerpt from a story and read it to the class. And without hesitation, I picked a short story about classic woman in white guy picks up girl Mm -hmm. stranded on the road, turns out to be a ghost. There is no question about it. I was hooked from the start. (laughs) What do you think it was about those kind of stories that drew you in? I don't, I don't know if I can necessarily identify it myself, but I, I was the same way. First time I heard like a ghost story, I was like, well, I don't care about any other kind of story, but (laughs) I want to hear every ghost story that exists. Right. Unless it has monsters and magic. What's the point? Absolutely. Uh, As a child, I can't talk for myself. Those years are lost to time, but now I really enjoy speculative fiction because it allows you to explore reality in deeper ways than you're able to convey with just what's physically present. So take the book Tigana by Guy Gabriel Kate, for example, and that it's about a nation that has not only been conquered, but their identity and culture has been magically erased from the world. And we do have historical examples of conquered nations having their cultures completely eviscerated and Mm -hmm. taken away. But It's not that it makes it relatable to readers who've never experienced that, but it makes it comprehensible, the magnitude and scale. And it also makes it something that we can really emotionally invest in in a way that we can't with history. There always seems to be a block in terms of years when we're looking back on something that has happened in reality versus when we're reading it in the terms of the fantastic or the cognitively estranging. Mm -hmm. I think it allows for that, that, both sides of the conversation as well of like, I'm thinking specifically of say like the poppy war, like that's a very, yeah, very hard book to read, but you can turn off that part of your brain that knows it's based on historical events and just enjoy it as a fantasy story. But then if you want to get deeper, you can go like, okay, well, what's this based on and start diving in. And then you start to get into the conversation of like, Oh yeah, the Sino-Japanese wars, those were awful times in history. And now I'm more knowledgeable But I feel like speculative fiction allows you to kind of dance in both of those schools of both escapism, but also informing yourself on it. Like you say with Guy Gabriel K, like if you want to dig deeper into what influenced that novel, 
You can, but you don't have to. Yeah, and there, I believe the author said that there are specific events within that war that she drew from, especially with the atrocities. And so, again, I think that is a good way for readers not just to look into the past, but to bring some of those realities in a way to the readers that is not only, I suppose, more palatable, but also they're seeing it through a protagonist eyes that they're rooting for, that they're emotionally connected with. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer just looking back on tablets of dry papers that this is something that's living and breathing in the form of a fantasy or sci-fi novel. I'm so glad you said that. I was literally thinking the exact same thing. It's a whole nother lens to view that history and uh, those human experiences through because you, when you're in a good book and you have a good compelling protagonist, there's like nothing like that. I mean, you sit there and hallucinate at paper for like five hours straight, you know, and it's, it's such a, like you said, not more palatable, but just a more visceral way for people to experience what uh, those time periods and those situations were like. And I, I, I love that about reading and, and writing yeah. and film, just good art in general. I think that goes back full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning is that can authors write about characters who aren't a carbon copy of who they are, what they've experienced? I think, well, yes, it's necessary for them to do that because just as it's necessary for people on day-to-day -day basis to connect with people who aren't exact copies or replicas of themselves. I think that expands not just interest in other cultures and identities, but also allows you to better connect to the people in your lives, just as you do to the characters in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To relate it to yours, too, I think that's what another thing that, and really, I cannot iterate enough how much I love the character of Logan. Um, you you had a different version of a medium that I really enjoyed, and it's like this element of high anxiety. And you stated it of mm -hmm. like, he does the right thing because it's the right thing, but there's also this element of like I could kind of imagine I don't have anxiety to the point that 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 he does and that your protagonist has, but that driving through the desert and having that voice just berate you to the point where he has to like pull over and take a breath. Mm -hmm. Like that's a supernatural element to a very real thing that I'm sure people feel. And like, I've been in situations where I'm like so nervous about something I can't function without it being solved. And like, right. So I don't know, was that an inspiration to you at all or something you were thinking about when writing Logan? Yeah, so Logan's supernatural sensory input is very much rooted in misophonia, where it's a hatred of repetitive sounds that it causes a negative emotional trigger, irritation, panic. And so instead of it being a passive force, him hearing the ghost and him going, well, I guess it's it's time to pull over is that he immediately starts having a triggered reaction to it. It's not a stimuli that's pleasant and it's one that he is compelled to quiet down because it's going to consume everything else and override everything else in his life. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, that idea of the psychological ghost or that it has an actual physiological effect on the character too, but it's yeah. not just like a headache, like in supernatural, mm -hmm. You know, it comes across more as like, um, like you were saying, like actual anxiety or an actual uh, mental disability that can totally shut down all your mental and physical functions if you don't tend to it properly and regulate yourself. Um, yeah. I'm super jealous I didn't think of an idea like that. Good job. 
Oh, that's all right. Uh, I've read Crevice and your mind goes to dark enough places. Without... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, can we also talk about Glenny? And forgive me, it's been a while since I read Cross, uh, All from the Crossroads, but Glenny's like kind of clairvoyant, right? Or yes. can you just tell a little bit about her supernatural abilities? All right. So Glenny was completely a third act introductory character where the book wasn't working. I couldn't figure out why Logan's partner foil was originally going to be a very put together, knows what's going on down to earth sort of lady. And it just wasn't flying. I was going, huh, well, let's try making her a pregnant teenage motor mouth sidekick and see how that goes. <laughs> I know it works. Nice. So, really did. It really did. Their dynamic is fantastic. Yeah. And a lot of that was lazy writing in that I didn't want to have to constantly be in Logan's head beyond the impingement that he suffers from the supernatural. So I thought an easy way around that and also to get character tension and dynamic is to have a sidekick who's rooting around his head anyway, saying the thoughts he doesn't want to think, doesn't want to share out loud. And it added for some uh, pretty fun dialogue. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it would be very difficult to hang out with someone all day who could read your mind. I don't think I could do that. You know, maybe with a couple people, but I don't know. That that would be rough. It has its hiccups, but Logan is kind of at the point in his life where that is not the strangest thing that's happening, so he can roll. <laughs> right. Give right. Move with it. Fair um, enough. A bit of a fun question off of that that I'm not thinking of, like, which would you rather have? Glenny's sort of curse or Logan's curse? And if you had either, if you pick one, what would you do with it? Mm -hmm. oh goodness uh so just to be just to be clear for people who haven't read the books um what can you explain those two again real quick yeah so logan can mainly what he does is he hears the dead he can't turn it off it just happens so he has to avoid places of death such as hospitals mm -hmm. roads where there have been a lot of car accidents and whatnot. And he can also see some spooky things that's becoming more prevalent as life goes on. Glennie, on the other hand, can pick up thoughts the way a radio does airwaves. She also doesn't have a lot of control on it, but 100% I would choose Glennie because hearing spooky voices when I'm trying to go to sleep is not my cup of tea. I have enough trouble hearing the neighbors talk at night. I don't need them to be dead and keeping me up as well. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that would be like old neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The neighbors of the past, or literally your uh, roommates, kind of, in a way. Yeah. It depends yeah. on where you live. Pick Is there anywhere point. in the world where people haven't died, do you think? Well, other than places that are like completely inaccessible. Problem is, it's not just places that are haunted, it's people. And Logan. Uh, uh, number one heavyweight from being most haunted person this side of well the page i suppose <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm with you i would definitely go with glennie's um picking up and i would try not to use it yeah. for evil but <laughs> like i don't know it might it's it's i feel like reading people's thoughts would just be too tempting it's like when you're when you have off office gossip and you're like i know i shouldn't contribute to this but 
I just got to stir the tea a little bit, like a little bit sometimes. I think I would just become a therapist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah. You no, know, easiest job ever. I was like, so what you're really thinking about <laughs> is that one time you said something stupid in front of a crowd full of people and you can't take it back. We're right. That would be, that would be good. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, is there any benefit to the other powers? It doesn't really seem like there's much of a benefit at all. He solves murders. Yeah. So, but, not, I, but he, does he want to? <laughs> he doesn't sound like he wants to. My rule for writing abilities is that however much power they have to resolve a conflict, they have to have equal capacity to cause tension in the narrative as well. Mm-hmm. So, Logan is more easily able to access information, mm-hmm. but he's also more easily overwhelmed by it. And he's also a lot more susceptible to those spirits, beings, and entities that do pass on that information. Mm-hmm. So here you said that um, Logan, that's the protagonist's name. Sorry, I just got the book today. Um, I'm going to read it, but I have not yet. Hmm. Um, Look at that crevice over there on my uh, yes. <laughs> that you've even uh, handed out to other people. Yeah. And, uh, I'm over here. It's just sitting on my Kindle. Um, yeah, I'll get to it though. I promise. And and when I do, I'll leave a review so you'll know. <laughs> we'll see if Twitter is still here. Um, if it is, I will I will tag you. Um, but what was I going to ask? Okay, so Logan, you said uh, he does things because they're the right thing to do. Uh, but it also sounds like in in order to kind of function, he has to listen or he has to like resolve uh, things that he hears about. Right. Am I am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. OK, so what would he do uh, if he couldn't hear voices as he always heard voices or what do yeah. you think he'd do if he couldn't? Because it sounds like he is a little bit tied to it. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, which is part of the reason why I decided to have him be military before he started having these supernatural episodes is that he's always been motivated to try and figure out how do I do the right thing and where can I do it best? And that's part of the issue he has with the supernatural is that he no longer feels that he's able to adequately perform and be Mm -hmm. a functional human being is that he's barely surviving, letting alone accomplishing anything for the good. Gotcha. A bit of an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm re- I am genuinely really excited to read it. It sounds awesome. I love the premise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting around to that. Uh, but you, so you were talking about this side of the page or where does this book happens in Texas? Travis told me, is that right? Why yes. did you choose uh, Texas as the setting? My mother's family is from Texas, so childhood summers were spent there, and I do have a soft spot for the hill country. So it was kind of just a way of revisiting those good times. And I've got to say, those uh, sweltering Texas summers, I think, made a good complement to the sense of oppressive supernatural stimuli that's going on as well. Mm-hmm. And okay. a lot of horror is setting, again, going back to Crevice, which I have read, is that you set it up <laughs> in a very bleak and isolated setting, which is really good because it complements the 
sense of doom, dread, and how they're in this open air setting, yet they're still trapped by this force that's stalking them. And that was just delicious. And again, it's like what Stephen King does with the claustrophobia of the small town Maine, or what Dean Mm -hmm. Koontz does with setting a lot of it in California, is that they know those settings well enough that they're able to make the settings characters in and of themselves, which is a critical part, I think, of the horror genre. Absolutely agree. All folklore comes from environment, you know, environment and culture. Those are usually the two things that kind of converge and create the horror stories. You know, the Yeti doesn't, the Yeti lives in the mountains for a reason, you know, uh, everyone thinks Sasquatch is in Washington for a reason. It's because when you go up in the Cascades and you look out there, you're like, okay, there's a lot out there. (laughs) <laughs> I I can't definitively say that Sasquatch isn't out there, you know, and <laughs> I, I always thought I could, but now that I've seen it, I don't think I can. Um, and, this, and that I also think that's why like so many monsters come from the ocean because literally just there are some monsters in the ocean or in the water, mm-hmm. but like every culture has like 12 types of water demon, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause it's like, it makes sense. It's, it's there and it is intimidating just by its very nature. We just don't belong there. Um, And like you said, uh, with the oppression of like a sweltering summer, I mean, that's an ever present force of nature that you're very aware the whole time. Like if I didn't have certain things, certain protections and accommodations, this would kill me, (laughs) you know? And uh, so it sounds like that plays nicely into your, your character struggles. I think that too, just to, talk about I don't know a lot of horror novels like you do to you two do but I definitely know my horror movies and it was cool to see your story set in the Texas setting because I'm so used to Texas horror films being isolation horror um crazy mm-hmm. serial killers you got Texas chainsaw the hills have eyes I believe the hitcher is set the American version of the hitcher is set in Texas. And I kind of had those images in my mind, but then that coupled with the the ghost and the spirit and the medium thing, I was like, it's still that intense isolation. It's still that like, I have no place to go. I look around me and it's just hot and blank. And, but instead of having this like thing that's running after you swinging a chainsaw, it's, it's in the head. It's telling you like, find where I was. I really did enjoy that. Thank you. And that also has kind of been a shortcut of horror is that I didn't have to worry about showing the monster too early. It's always haunting him in the background. So instead of having the ghost be visual, visual apparitions, it's an auditory hallucination, which not only doesn't give the comfort of saying, well, at least I know the ghost is over there. There's also mm-hmm. still the underlying question of, I can't be sure that this is really some supernatural occurrence or maybe really am just mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that sounds like that's going to be an ever present question for this character. It's uh, something that keeps him up at night, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the ever present, can you tell us maybe a little bit about some sequels that are coming up without, I guess, revealing too much about Call from the Crossroads? But I know In the Service of Shadows is out, correct? Yes. So that's out. Logan continues to be a hot mess, but he really is trying his darndest to pull it together. And then the third one is currently with beta readers, and I'm starting to work on the fourth right now. 
Do you have so, for the third? Uh, I'm hoping autumn 2023, but we'll see. The last few years have taught me that life is crazy. So roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have, are you full indie? Yes. Nice. Uh, 20 books to 50K, they converted me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've heard good things about that. Yeah, it's a good program, and I heard more horror stories than anything Stephen King can write in terms of with the traditional publishing. I was originally submitting it to agents, and I did get some bites on it, but when one agent, her entire agency collapsed due to some social media kerfuffle that was going on, I was going, <laughs> stepping back, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just doing this on my own. I can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be just absolutely terrible doing all yeah. the work to get it out of the trenches and finally get out. And then you're, Oh, I can't even imagine that. Right. Which was part of the reason I'm going, if this is going to fail, it's going to be on my tiny little boat. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting a ticket to the Titanic. You're just throwing <laughs> across the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the service of shadows coming, the third one coming soon, or is already out third one coming soon. Is there any other SK era projects that people can look into or where to find you on social media and all of that? Yeah. So all books are on Amazon. I am still on Twitter. We'll see how long that ship stays afloat Facebook as well. And I do have a fantasy novel that I'm shooting for a spring 2023 release. I'm currently Uh wrangling up a cover artist. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Any, any, what's the, uh, yeah. What's the fantasy novel about what's going on with the fantasy novel? If you want to plug it right now, but if not, that's okay. Sure. Let's roll. It's a tale as old as time. Girl meets boy, boy meets girl, except the girl is a shrine maiden with a secret, and the boy is a warrior that has been cursed by a god, and they are trying to survive in a land that is not only overrun by war, but by demons that have been bred by the violence. Nice. All right. Nice. I'm in. All right. So social media, there will be updates, I promise. And if you want more updates, there are links to the newsletter available on Twitter and Facebook as well. There you go. Nice. Join the newsletter. You know, we don't we don't write these newsletters for no reason over here. We writers. So uh, I I will join the actual book. So you better sign up. I know you got to keep on doing it. Uh, you're always wondering about the click rates and stuff, the open rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Definitely don't do it the night before it's sent out. This is something I plan well in advance. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. Months in advance, I am planning on waking up the morning I released the newsletter, <laughs> realizing that it's three days after I'm actually supposed to release the newsletter and releasing the newsletter there in, there in that same uh, little period of time. Absolutely it- has never happened. And as a as a strictly a reader, I can tell you both that I have a separate email folder for both of your newsletters. Have I read any of them? That's a different question, but I save them all. <laughs> save them all. That's nice of you. That's How nice sweet. of you. I do the same with uh, SK's books. I've I've got them. <laughs> I've got them. I'm, I'm going to get this other one. Going to put it on my Kindle. 
Maybe I'll make you a folder too. Would you like a folder as well? SK, I can get you a second folder. Oh, it would be an honor and a privilege. <laughs> you know, one thing I can't right, tell you. Consider it done. One thing I can tell you, SK, and I've told you this before, but on air is that Clayton and I, one of the people we consider the harshest critics of all time, loves your book, and that is our mother. So mm -hmm. oh. yeah. <laughs> you got the old well, five star. You got the five yeah. star. She is the target demographic of folks who read Stephen King, but probably don't have a book club to talk about it with. That there is, you go. That is her. <laughs> nice. That's definitely her. Yeah. Um, it's and she would have she would have told the truth. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. As moms are supposed to do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we're gonna get her to put it on Amazon for you though. She she doesn't. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. I've been That's working right. on I've been working <laughs> on getting her a Spotify account for like eight years. So Amazon is next, but it's got a way to be. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, she's still rocking. Feedback, even if it's second, third, fourth hand, it's all the same to me and it's all appreciated. All right. Nice. Well, there's yeah, there's basically two ratings for mom, and there's one stars and five stars. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, yeah, you cleared it. It's a pass fail course and you passed. Well okay. done. Right. Yeah. But well, we, I can rest easy now. Good. Yeah. Really like to thank you for coming on the show, SK. Um, that's getting close to our time there at 30 minutes. And uh, you have plugged your social media. We got your books. Go check out Call from the Crossroads and In the Service of Shadows by SK Era. Um, fantastic supernatural thrillers fit into a lot of different genres in my opinion if you're a genre fan of you know uh those military protagonists that's hard grizzled uh main characters if you're a fan of supernatural fiction if you're a fan of i think cool buddy cop dynamics i think that happens in your book so if you like that that's that's around the halfway point of the second act you can check that out but Mm -hmm. I really do suggest these for any listener and thank you again for coming on the show. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Thank you, SK.